Welcome to Word of Life Family Church, where we strive to grow in our relationship with God, our family, and our community. We believe it's no accident you're listening today, and we pray you'll hear something to strengthen, encourage, and inspire you to fulfill your God-given destiny. Now let's get to the message, which is already in progress. I'll just jump right in. Last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer, and I mentioned that it is a very uh, powerful prayer. I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of you have known this prayer maybe from childhood up, and uh, which is awesome. Also, I can say that sometimes uh, when, when we have a prayer like this, sometimes we will, can recite it or, or pray it or use it and, and forget the power that's inside of it the truth behind it. And, uh, and so this is why it's part of our bold prayer series, because it is truly a bold prayer. The Lord's Prayer is truly bold. It was earth-shattering. It was controversial. Um, it, it angered those uh, that uh, had pride and different ideas about God. It made it very personal, made this relationship that we have with God personal. And uh, Jesus himself shared this. I think I mentioned before, and I'll, I'll re- remind you that this prayer, I think, and, and it, as it turns out, I don't, I'm not alone. Others have mentioned that this, I think, should be called the disciples' prayer because it's, in fact, a prayer for us. Jesus didn't need to learn how to pray. He was God, right? And, and so I, I think it was could be better called or better served and I don't mean to you know be heresy or any of those kind of things but understanding that Jesus intended that we would use it and apply it that we would receive the heart of what God was doing and revealing and it was powerful and he wants us to see it today and so we're going to continue in that in fact um, we're going to read that um, a little bit today and uh, so if you have your handout I believe I have the verse for you on the handout, but I do encourage you to look at yourself uh, so you can lay eyes on it for yourself. I also want to say that if, if we want to be controversial, which sometimes we like to be for fun, uh, just to kind of keep things interesting, uh, that I could, we could probably say that John chapter 17 would be more accurately would be considered the Lord's Prayer because uh, this is when Jesus prays for himself. And, uh, and so we can look at that. You can look at that trivia uh, and check that out. John John chapter 17, one, verse 1 through 5, and it's a, a powerful prayer. He goes on to, to pray for himself, then the disciples, and then for all believers. Um, and so that would be something uh, to look at. But let's look at Matthew chapter 6. I forgot to tell you to turn there. I'm just assuming that you are there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I'm going to start here. It says, this then is how you should pray. Now, I wanna, before we go too far, we're going to remind you this is not a... Uh, it's a model, an outline, okay? And so, or one translation says, in this manner. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. What a powerful prayer. What a powerful, mighty, bold 
dangerous prayer. This is profound. It's, it's funny to me because it's somewhat, somewhat simple in its, in its description, but powerful and mighty in its truth. And as we dig into this and we investigate, we're going to really see, we're going to really see how it's not complicated, but man, it carries great promise and ability of God in our lives if we will dig into it. Amen? I really believe it sets the standard uh, pattern of praying. And what a better gift than Jesus modeling this for us. The best teacher of all to say, hey, let's pray this way. This is how I want you to come. Praying like Jesus prayed. I, I love that idea. That we have the opportunity to pray like Jesus. That we've been invited to pray like him. I think he's pretty amazing and pretty special. And he said, you can, we can pray like him. And so we know that it's got to be powerful if it's Jesus. Amen? So we're going to look at this and break it down. Um, you guys are being way too quiet, so you got to speak up. So I can, you know, grab, make sure I can see you. For one thing, the lights are off, so I can't hardly see you, so it feels like I'm alone. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So let's recap here real quick. I want to recap a little bit on uh, this prayer, what we said. We, we kind of started this last week. We did kind of the first section, and so I just want to look at, again, the first that we said on your handout, you'll notice, is the paternity of prayer, our Father in heaven. This is that paternity test proof that God is our God. He is our Abba Father. Uh, Paul says that we are, have sonship, and by that we can cry out, Abba Father. Amen? That God has given us that ability and certainly not in our own right, but he has gifted us by grace and mercy the willingness to say, I want you to call me daddy. I love that. I'm so thankful for that. That's amazing that a sovereign, mighty deity that God is, all-powerful, would, would also be willing to stoop to the level of us to reach out a hand to say, call me daddy. I love that. So that we can climb up in his lap. And we can enjoy his presence. Amen? That is bold. And so when Jesus presents this and reveals this, that is a very bold thing. Because at the time, that could have been heresy. It could have been because Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm opening this opportunity, which God has always been put on a pedestal in the Old, in the Old Testament. And, and so he should. But he can both be this great deity and be personal and this is invited and so it's a very bold 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 statement the second thing is that we can we have the priority of prayer and it's hallowed be your name now now i, I said before that hallow means carries three basic ideas and i say three because the greek language is so full there's so many different definitions and ideas that we just don't quite have all of it in our English language to explain it. So number one, the first thing is that it makes his hallowed be a name is making an ordinary thing extraordinary only by bringing it in contact with an extraordinary person. That is Jesus to the Father. Amen. And so he, what, what, I've said this before, so all I'm saying is that when we hallow his name, we're saying, God, we, we take our natural 
and we introduce and we invite your supernatural into our lives. And when he, when, and he so willingly and awesomely allows us to do that. And so he makes us, it makes us extraordinary in him because of him. We can do amazing things. And that's when we say we can do all things through Christ. That's what it's talking about. It's through Christ. It's through his, God's willingness to say, I'm going to invite you to be that. So he has to be the priority, though. He has to be the first place. The second part of that Greek word, hollow, means to treat something set apart and separated. Basically, it's saying to place him in the right place. That is first place in our life. To say that, God, you're first place. Not my family, not my job, not money, not any of these kinds of things, not even the, the promises and the gifts, all of the things that you said, that can't even take precedent. God himself has to take precedent. He has to be number one. His holiness, his greatness, hallowed be your name. It's like taking his, your, his presence, letting his presence be at the forefront of our lives. You understand that? Does that make sense? And the third thing is that it says to enter his praise. We can, it's, it's like, praising him and praise i want to say this praise is the password to his presence praise is the password to open his presence it says when we in in psalms chapter 100 verse 3 which is a reference is a direct reference to this hallowed be your name all through if you look at the study and it's it's this it's enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and so the very first thing is we come with praise. We enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Amen. And it's in his presence. And so we can see that's the priority. We need the basic idea. He's extraordinary. He's first place. And we praise you. That positioned us to the next one, which is the plans of prayer. And the plans of prayer is very simply your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's saying, God, you're God, you're mighty, you're awesome, take control of my life. Now, that's easy said, but not always easy walked out. Because I often think that I understand what I'm doing. Sometimes I can be stubborn. My wife is being quiet. Often, we think we have a better idea. And often we use that better idea and we walk out of his purpose because we, we say, Lord, our plans, Lord, my will be done. I mean, we might not say it verbally, but sometimes I walk it out that way. And when I realize, I say, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to blow it like that. I want to honor you by letting your will be done. And sometimes his will is often much, much different than what I can think or imagine. In fact, Scripture says that, right? Now, now sometimes, sometimes he's so awesome and he's so amazing that he will, he will he'll give us the desires of our heart even when it's under his perfect will to reveal his truth. But the idea is as we begin to pray this, continue to pray this prayer, this prayer boldly, what it does is it reproportions or reconfigures our thoughts, our ideas to more align with his thoughts and his ideas. Then we begin to pray his will. We should anyway. Right? Because he's God. Amen? Do you hear me today? 
even if we weren't willing to or we didn't think we can get anything out of it, he's God. We should honor God. Can somebody say amen? We get that understanding, right? But in his goodness, in his grace, he's so kind that he allows us to walk through this journey and walk through this. But he understands that we need him and he and we need him desperately. And he knows better than we know. And he has better in store than we can even imagine. He's that good. He's that amazing. So often I think that sometimes when we're praying, we come to him and we we ask God, you can, you know, bless me, do this, whatever. And, he, and he's not afraid to bless his kids. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we are under uh, we're, we're short sighting our truth of what God has in store. And uh, and so we don't want that. We don't want the counterfeit. We don't want just enough. God is a God of more than enough. Amen. But it's only if we walk in his ways and come to his place and so he is the the priority and he is the plan so this week let's get into this week as we continue through this somebody say this week this week is good too because it's all good it's all him the third the fourth spot i want to look at here as we look at this is what i would call the provision of prayer this is what it says give us today our daily bread this is the provision of bread, and the word bread is, is really, it's really a broad term in Scripture. It's, it's broad in that it's referring to all of our needs. It, he takes care of those things, and, and not needs. Now, don't get need-based as in money or all of those kind of things, but think broader than that. The, 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 the need that when anxiety comes, he's our peace. That he is those things and, and that he will come if we will come to him and say, God, I'm going to give you today. I'm going to give you myself. Give me. I receive your daily bread today. Such an important, important part of our prayer life, our commune with God. The, the Greek word is artos. And, and, it, and it properly means bread, but figuratively more, more broad, it's a divine provision. It's sustenance provided by God. The same kind of sustenance, you can look at it this way. This is what God said when he, when he began to give the Israelites, as they were wandering through the desert, this is how they, he fed them. It was their daily bread, right? It was daily. In fact, I want to remind you that it was supposed to be daily. They weren't just supposed to store it up. They were supposed to use what they had, and that would be enough because there was something more the next day. It was daily bread. Understand that this is the God. God wants us to be our daily provider. He's our source of life. And so when we pray this prayer, it's bold because we're putting our soul down. And we're saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your plan. I'm going to trust that you are my provider. And it's easy to say, Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider. But when, it's, when we're feeling in lack, it's a little more difficult. But if we're in daily bold prayer to praying this prayer, what God's truth is, he's promising, he's revealing. And God says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm not going to change my mind. Praise God. God doesn't do that. That's the enemy. The devil himself is shifting all of the time. But God is constant. He's perfect. He's holy, right? He's right in everything he is. And see, he says, I'm going to provide. He says, we need him to be our source of life. This is hard for men, probably hard for women, 
But, but men, we're, we're told to provide and to do these things, and, and, and which is a godly, godly uh, uh, call. But understand that we know that it's, it's him that gives us the ability to create, create wealth. It's him that allows us to be able to do anything. Right? And so we can pound our chest and say, well, I did that. But that would be silly because if it were for him allowing it to give us power, give us abilities, give us choice, give us strength, give us life, we wouldn't be doing any of that. Right? Isn't that cool that he surrendered that control to us? Does it have a lot of responsibility, however? Could it be scary? It could. It doesn't have to be because God promises it, gifts it, gives us. But there's a heart matter that we need. So you can see how bold this is. could be dangerous to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't know what tomorrow is except for I'm going to trust you today and trust that you are taking care of tomorrow. So he's our provider. He needs to be our provider daily. He needs to be our strength daily. He has he's wants us to get the mind of Christ daily. Don't live off of yesterday's fish and bread. That could get stinky and moldy. We got to live on the fresh bread, the new that he has for us every day. The fresh anointing, the fresh wisdom. Amen. We, we need to build a reliance on a dependency. That almost seems like an, like a, a, an opposite of each other. To say, I rely that you're dependable. You're dependable. Easy for me to say. We, we lay down so that you can take over. God, give us today our daily bread. Daily. Somebody say daily. See, in Acts chapter 17, Paul says, he says, For in him we live and move and have our being. Daily. When Paul prayed this prayer, when he spoke this prayer, he was talking to the believer to have a daily encounter with the Father. In him we live and move. We live and we move daily, moment by moment, in him. God provides one day at a time. Let me say that again. God will provide one day at a time. I have a lot of theories behind this. I know that humanly or personally, I would like if he would, you know, maybe give me a little more. But I think for me, well, I'll just say for me, because I can't, I'm, I'm not going to speak for all of you. I might, you know, consider speaking for all humankind. But I think that sometimes I get a little bit, um, um, what's the word? Uh, Yeah, I don't I try not to be mean to myself, but but basically you can get to the point where you get in a routine and you begin to walk a little mindlessly over the things. And God says, no, I, I need you to have a fresh perspective of me every day. I need you to have a fresh mind of me every day. In fact, it wouldn't take faith at all. And it says without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to to please him in that, to walk in his perfect, pleasing will for our lives. And so it wouldn't take faith if he gave us it all 
Now it's finished and it's complete. We know the end of the story. He's good. He's perfect. But it's a daily walk. Somebody say daily. First John chapter 4, verse 4 says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one that is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. This is a beautiful scripture to remind us as we are resting and waiting and, and coming to him for daily bread, that he's the one that takes care of it. God intends for prayer, our communication with him, to be in da a daily encounter. And so this is part of what he's revealing. Not only is he saying to give us a daily bed, but he's reminding us this should be a daily deal, Right? We should be daily living in in it with him. Just like we would daily live with our spouses. We would daily live with those that we love. And we would daily commune with them. In that same idea that we need to have a daily encounter. The lack of prayer. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I, I, I kind of found myself as I began to find myself. I can start to get the barometer. get Kind of get a measuring stick of finding when I'm feeling like I'm maybe not I'm in a little bit of lack in prayer or talking to God shows up in a, a bunch of different ways. One is physical fatigue. I can, you know, just like, oh, I'm just drained all of the time. I, can, I believe that God could, could, he needs to sustain us, that his daily bread, his word, can both be spiritually, but I think physically empowering. The second thing is mental stress. If I'm not in prayer, if I'm, I can tell when I'm not spending the time that I need. I'm kind of short-tempered, kind of moody, pout and whine a little bit about things. And so if you find yourself in that place, you're like, oh, man, I'm really whining. Might be, might be a sign that we need to get in some more prayer time. Commune with God. And, 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 and that other thing was daily difficulties. Just everything's hard sometimes. Like you're just like, like why is that so prayer time getting out of bed sometime especially on a snowy day sometimes it just that spending the time with him just just elevates our spirit our body our soul it just kind of brings us to a different level and that's his intent so the holy spirit was kind of talking to me he's like when when life's getting you it's a good sign you're not getting to him let me say that again, because that was like, I was like, oh, God, that was good. Thank you. When the world and the things of this world are getting to me, that might mean I'm not getting to him like I should be. Spending some, some, some good time with the Father. Because why? Because we might be starving our spirit. We might be right. starving yes. ourselves. Mm -hmm. Give us our daily bread, Father. It reminds us that we need to be daily we're limited. We're limited as humans, but we're but God brings that superhuman, that supernatural, God's unlimitedness to our lives. But we got to stay linked to Him. Amen? Amen. Number five, and this is the last one we'll hit today, is the pardon of prayer. The pardon of prayer. I wanted to have just enough time to, to go through this and forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. One translation says, forgive us our sin. 
for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. That's right, we're going to go there. Like, oh man, this was, this was a great prayer until this point, Pastor. I was with you until you started stepping on my toes here. God's response, what he's saying here, God's response to our sins, our, our flaws and mistakes are based upon our willingness to forgive. Forgiveness is what brought us to him, and forgiveness is the thing that his heart is that we would exercise towards his kids. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 makes it very clear, almost scary. When you, when, and when you stand praying, not if, but when, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sin. That was pretty strong. Right? This verse verse is, is really teaching us that it's wrong to ask God if we're not willing to give what we're asking God for. Now, I know God's grace and his mercy. I get all of that. But why live in the manna? Why, why not live in his promise by walking out his truths? Why not let ha- stop being from miracle to miracle to just living in his presence and letting, like the, the promised land was to, to flow with milk and honey. Why not flow in milk and honey instead of waiting for the, the hand me daily hand me outs? To rather let his glory, his promise blossom in a way that if we are obedient to his word, if we do what he says, it taps in an unstoppable resource of promise and truth. Not only that, but it reveals his heart towards others. And he always blesses those that bless his kids, period. Because he loves his kids. His kids are his most important, his heart, his joy. You... And those that don't know him yet are his desires to be his, he desires for them to be his kids. He's their creation, but he wants to have a relationship. And that comes through, often, through the hands and feet of his kids. That be willing to exercise this truth, to forgive. Amen? This is always a hard one, because forgiveness doesn't say that it's okay for the fault against you. But the enemy will come and say that's, that's the enemy's lie that will tell you. If I forgive then I'm saying it's okay. And that's a lie from the enemy. That's to keep you in repetitive torture. And bind you in his lie. And that's right where the enemy wants us to stay. But we need to kick the devil in the teeth. Because we have the victory, because we have Christ in us, and he forgave us, so we are forgiven. So we've got more forgiveness to give because we've been forgiven. Our forgivers should be really good. Because we've been forgiven so much. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, Your heavenly Father also forgives you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Prayer. 
uh, if we're looking at prayer in this form, prayer is a good way to clear the debris of this world, of this soul, off of our lives. It's a clinging. It's a cleaning. It's really hard to say for some reason. It, it's, a, it's a, God's power is always flowing. Sometimes we allow debris to get in the conduit of our lives. And one of the really difficult, one of the surefire ways to, to stifle or to stop or to slow the presence of God in our life is through unforgiveness. It's dangerous. It's life sucking. But praise God, God has given us this ability. If we keep ourselves focused on those, the forgiver, that we're able to be a forgiver ourselves. Amen? I think I want to stop right there. Maybe I want to get keep you on the edge of your seat. Can you bow your head for just a moment? Here's the truth of forgiveness. Forgiveness When we forgive, we are allowed, we're stopping the enemy from the ability to continue to antagonize us. Forgiveness, when we hold an offense, when we hold something against others, even if it's justified in the natural sense, it is like tying a rock around our ankles. And trying to swim across an ocean. It will bog us down. It will bring us down. And God says to let it go. It's not just a, a promise. It's not just a, a necessity. But God again is revealing his love for us. He doesn't want us to be burdened any longer. So don't hold on to the burden. Colossians chapter 3, I'll just say this. I want to read this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. I think we just need to picture that as holy. It's been a theme today. That we, God, we've declared you're holy. Now he's asking us to be holy. To see ourselves as holy. Because we're God's chosen people. Holy and dearly loved. He says, Close your, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13 of chapter 3, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The Bible says, that our sins are as far as the east is from the west. And with that mindset, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love.
which binds them together in perfect unity. We receive the truth today. God, we thank you for this bold prayer. Thank you for giving us this amazing tool that is more than traditional, more than just piety, more than just duty. God, there, in the boldness, there comes a powerfulness, a truth, a wrecking ball of your promise. God, we thank you for this bold prayer. We thank you for the opportunity to pray this bold prayer. I pray that as we have discussed this and dissected it a bit, that, Father, it would resonate in our hearts today. And so if I ask the question in this moment, what's the Holy Spirit telling you? What is God revealing to you? We hope you've enjoyed this message from Word of Life Family Church. If you're ever in the area, please join us for one of our Sunday services at 10 a.m. or for Bible study on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. For more information, check out our website at wordoflifefamilychurch.org or call us at 715-339-2207. Thanks for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you. Yeah.